Back to the Lab with your host, Brad Bolt. Welcome back to the Lab. Back to the Lab. Welcome back to the Lab. Back to the Lab. And joining me now is staff writer for The Ringer, host of The Ringer NFL Fantasy Football Show or The Ringer NFL Draft Show, depending on what time of year it is. And you can also find him making appearances on The Ringer NFL Show, Danny Heifers. Danny, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, man. It's two in the morning, so you can have me on this podcast. This is crazy. <laughs> uh, it's like I was just saying to you before, it's what we get used to in Australia when we want to watch the uh, want to watch the games, but also have to get up in time to set our fantasy football lineup. So, I think you like football more than I do. Like, I my job is to cover the NFL, but if they just <laughs> scheduled, you know, we're going to play games, going to start at three in the morning. I don't, I don't know if I would. I'd be like, yeah, no, I don't know. You do that every single week. That's you got the dog oh. in you, man. That's crazy. I think it's also handy for me as well. The fact I've got a uh, two and a half year old daughter. And you're up um, anyway. <laughs> I'm up anyway, so it doesn't really doesn't really make it's much convenient. Of a like your daughter's crying in the middle of the night, and you're like, "Oh, thank God!" There's like eight football games on right now. Yeah, well, the <laughs> um the first first weekend that we had her home, um, she decided this weekend not to sleep, and my wife was like, "I need some sleep," and I was like, "That's perfect. I want to watch the Browns <laughs> versus the Cowboys." So, so instead of some like schlub husband who's like sleeping all day and watching football all night, you're like the legend. You're like, "Wow, he's the best. He just is fine to take the night shift." That's wow. Yeah, you was... really figured this out. It, it came in handy. I was like, oh, I'll be able to watch all the pregame show. I'll have my lineup set. It's great. Incredible. Uh, so um, I just thought I'd get you on and we could just have a little bit of a chat about the offseason and a few of these other little things. And I've got a uh, fun um, two jargons, one lie for you at the end, Australian edition, which I think you'll get a bit of a kick out of. So first question for you, Danny, what has been your favorite storyline of the offseason? Oh my god, the Aaron Rodgers thing! I know everyone's tired of it, but dude, this is so ridiculous. Like, it, like he went to a darkness retreat, and that's it's. I think the best. It's not over. I think what's incredible is that everyone's commitment to prolonging this. I know it gets really tiring, and by the time it's like mid July, everyone, including me, will be sick of it. But I actually thought that Pat McAfee. I know people have different opinions of Pat McAfee, but with Pat McAfee's reaction when Aaron Rodgers said the darkness retreat was the most relatable thing I've ever heard. Aaron Rodgers was like, yeah, I'm doing a darkness retreat. And McAfee's like, what? <laughs> like that was this, I, I, every time I think of it, I just, I, I get lost in thought. I I also like the, um, I think it was a uh, Pac-Man when he came out of the darkness retreat and he had his, um, <laughs> and he, he's just gone. Isn't that just like prison? I mean, I've been yeah. in prison. I know that. That was <laughs> that, incredible. That just, that, oh, that was great. Um, so with in terms of the Rogers, how, how long do you think that's actually going to go on for before we have a resolution with that? So I think what's interesting about this quarterback offseason, and this might be stepping on something else you wanted to ask for, but I think I would lump in Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson into their unlike any other year. Generally speaking, in recent NFL history, all quarterback moves are buttoned up by mid-March. 
And the draft is like the absolute latest that teams will add a quarterback. If there's like injuries, there's like exceptions, but otherwise like teams don't want to add a quarterback in August. They want to add it as early as possible. The Matt Stafford trade was like January 30th. Alex Smith was traded to the chiefs like before the super bowl, like teams want as early as possible to build around a quarterback. This offseason is completely different for completely different reasons. There's a chance, a chance that Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers don't get dealt until like week one. That's on the table. I don't know if that's going to happen. Rodgers specifically, there's deals get done with deadlines. And there's like three. The hard deadline is week one because that's when the Packers have to pay Rodgers $60 million like cash. Training camp is like the soft deadline, but the draft. So basically if Rodgers isn't like a jet by the draft, I don't see why it would happen before training camp. So you know what I mean? And so once training camp begins, then there's another five weeks of standoff because week one, like Friday at like 5 p.m. when payroll ends is when this like actually has to be done by. But um, yeah, if this doesn't, if Rodgers isn't dealt by the draft, I think it's going to be July 25th or August 31st. See, uh, that makes sense to me too, because I, a couple of weeks ago, I was looking at something, trying to figure out, thinking, you know, maybe this Jets trade might happen back then. And I came across the, um, the over the cap numbers saying that if, Rogers is traded pre-June 1st. It's about a $40.3 million dead cap to the Packers. If it's after June 1st, it's $15.8 million. So I sort of instantly thought, well, I mean, they're saving themselves about $25 million in dead cap if they wait. So that was sort of my thought. But as like you said with the, um, the Lamar one as well, when you have those two bigger name quarterbacks, on this want to be traded sort of market is like is Lamar in a similar sort of situation that's going to be more of a you think more of an after the draft trade if that if that comes about so yeah uh, let me go back to the Rogers thing for a second um the way that I my least favorite thing is talking about accounting um but <laughs> the way that dead cap works basically think of it like there's cash flow there's the money you spend and then there's like the cap is like your credit or your taxes. We're like, it's kind of you trying to keep track of your cash, but it's not the same as the cash flows. The dead cap is when you've spent money that you haven't accounted for yet and the player left. So it's kind of like you edit a credit card, but you still owe money to the card. That's like dead cap. The Packers have to pay the $40 million. So when it says that drops to 15 or 16 million, that just means the other 26 or whatever is going to be in 2024. Mm. And so. In theory, they want to cut that in half. In reality, I think the Packers were probably fine to just take it all on the chin in 2023 and then do it to 2024. Like, they could expand it then, but it doesn't really help them a ton to split it in half because I don't think the Packers are looking at this season as, like, we're going to win the Super Bowl. They're looking at it as, we're going to try to build around Jordan Love and we'll see if we make the playoffs and hopefully still win the division. But realistically, they're retooling for the next decade. So the Lamar thing... Also, that doesn't make any sense. Please let me know because accounting is like no, no, no. I, insane. Yeah. Uh, the, I don't know what filling your taxes out in Australia is like, but in America, it's I think that it, it, it's longer than like every religious text combined. It's like I think the US <laughs> tax code is like a thousand pages. So, uh, but for Lamar, I got to tell you the truth. Like, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this Lamar situation. This is kind of unprecedented. The way I understand it is. 
we're working on a lot of assumptions. That's the key thing with the Lamar thing. Uh, because we don't have a ton of insight into what Lamar Jackson wants. We believe that Lamar Jackson has wanted what I would call a basketball contract. Five years, fully guaranteed. If Lamar wants that, I don't think anyone's going to give it to him. I have not heard a single convincing – and we can go through every team if you want. I have not heard a single convincing argument that an NFL owner is going to give him a five-year guaranteed deal. Now, if Lamar is actually just once off the Ravens and will cave on the guaranteed money, I can see him going to the Colts or you know a myriad of teams – away from Baltimore, the Falcons, if he doesn't want the, if he's willing to just do a regular quarterback contract and is just fed up with Baltimore, I could totally see him going. But then because of his status as this free agent, he's, he's like kind of in, he's in free agent purgatory. And so I'm a little confused by some of the um, dialogue around this, as if the Ravens can just trade Lamar wherever they want. Not really because Lamar has been franchise tagged. But he has to sign the tag before he can get traded. It's essentially a no-trade clause. And he can actually go and just sign a contract with another team. So, and, and this is so complicated. I, I, I Sorry to just keep monologuing. No, here, you're fine. Basically, the way it works is if Lamar is like, I want to sign with the Colts. And again, I'm going to assume that he's not taking guaranteed deal. If he wants to sign with the Colts, he the Colts offer him a deal. And Lamar goes and he just signs his name. And that contract is copy-paste with the – Baltimore Ravens command F replaced for the, the Colts and it goes back to the Ravens and the Ravens get the chance to just sign Lamar. And then Lamar has to go back and play for the Ravens. If the Ravens say, actually, no, we don't want to sign this. You can go play for Indianapolis. Indianapolis then has to send the Ravens two first round picks to play. And then he can do it. That's the trade. A trade is Lamar signs with another team. The Ravens decline the opportunity to match the contract and then get two first rounders in advance. Now, the loophole here is the Colts were like, well, why would we do that? We've got the fourth pick. Why would we do that with the fourth pick when we could just sign Lamar Jackson after the draft and then send them our picks in 2024 and 2025, which are hopefully going to be like, you know, 25th, 32nd, if they have like their, you know what I mean? Like, why would they do that yeah. and give up the fourth pick? Now, maybe they've worked out something with the Ravens where the Lamar would sign a tag and the Ravens would take less than two firsts to get the fourth pick, and it's essentially like a trick. Maybe they worked something out which would require Lamar, the Ravens, and the Colts all working something out in tandem, in secret. Just seems like a lot of people bad at communicating, though. It's just a lot to go on. I, I, I don't know. So I, I don't want to pretend to have a beat on this situation, but I find that that is a, um, a complex scenario. Uh, but at the same time, the Ravens aren't a team that's going to leave themselves with no plan B. So... I, if there's any part of that that you have questions, but I have a lot of questions on this all too. Ah, uh, no, that's right. It, it is. It is one of those complex situations because, as you were sort of saying, like I mean, this would have been um, a lot more fun to win the poison pill contract era, where someone could yeah. have made it that if Lamar plays more than two games in the state of Baltimore in the next three years, that it's a five hundred million dollar <laughs> guaranteed contract yeah, or exactly. something, but. I, I think maybe I'll, I'll move on to something less complex, the New York Giants. Um, how would you – I'm trying to think of the right word. How would you encapsulate their offseason? What would – is there stuff that you've liked? Is it stuff that you've hated? Is there – are you indifferent? Are you just looking at this going, oh, not again sort of thing? Or what? what's your thoughts on it all? 
I think that they absolutely maximize their season, and the good news is that they know it. Like they're they absolutely hit a nine and a half out of ten on their range of outcomes for this year. They took advantage of the fact they had the easiest schedule in the NFL, and that they got a lot out of nobody's, frankly, practice squad guys. And they're not going around acting like, oh, cool, we made the we got to the second round of the playoffs, like we should go for the Super Bowl. Like they're like, no, there's a lot of work to be done, which is good. I like that part of it. I am perplexed why in a draft where there's just basically just a four big receivers, like there's five big between tight ends and receivers, there's like five big people and the, everyone else is just like a small slot receiver. The giants have basically just like collected a bunch of injury prone people. I think the entire Daniel Jones era, even with Gettleman, the giants collected a bunch of injury prone skill pe- players and then we're like, oh, wow, well, you know, when they, all these guys are healthy, Daniel Jones will have a supporting cast. It's like, all right, well, maybe keep get, get guys who don't get hurt. And then this offseason, I love Sterling Shepard. He's like one of the, the best players on the team. He's a huge, big fan. He's a big friend of Saquon, like he's a leader. But he has an Achilles injury and an ACL. He's a slot guy. They bring him back. Paris Campbell, who basically fast, but basically left Indianapolis because he couldn't stay healthy. Sign him. Darren Waller, who the Raiders are trading essentially because they don't think he can stay healthy. We trade for him. Um, Obviously, we had Kadarius Tony, who we traded away because he couldn't stay healthy. Kenny Galladay, you're going to have to cut because he can't stay healthy. And it's it, at a certain point, you're like, what? Why do like? It, it's kind of like we have three or four injury prone slot guys in a trench coat, all just hoping that they will add up to 17 games of the slot. And so I'm just a little confused of what the Giants are going to do. Um, I. I wouldn't say I'm upset, but I think that they're not going to just get a magically an outside receiver to fall to them at the 25th pick. I think that realistically Zay Flowers or Quentin Johnson is not going to fall to them at 25. And I think that their offseason suggests that they're not taking some small slot receiver with the 25th pick. So, And the cornerbacks aren't going to fall. So um, I'm cautiously optimistic, but I also think that they know that this might be a step back. And contract, like, were you were you happy with that? Were you more annoyed that they didn't just tag him for the season, or what? What, what have you thought about what they've done this year? <laughs> I think that the Daniel Jones contract was very informative to go through as a fan of the team that also covers the team professionally. I think the general loose consensus, I'll call it, is that they paid too much because you know what? Daniel Jones, is he really worth $40 million a year? Are you really going to be able to build a Super Bowl contender? And, you know, in this era of the NFL where rookie contract, rookie quarterbacks are so un, like structurally underpaid, unless you can get an elite guy like a Mahomes, a Burrow, a, you know, seven, eight guys, you should pay those guys. And if you don't have one, just roll the dice again in the draft. Keep overturning stones till you find a good one. That sounds cool. But you really want to be without a quarter? You know what I mean? Like, I th- yeah, there's an emotional yeah. element that just drives a wedge into everybody in your life. Like, like the reality is there is a chaotic element to not having a quarterback. There is a leadership value on your team and that Daniel Jones has unquestionably filled the leadership role in the Giants. Yeah, he probably does have to get better to – Filled the value. They probably did overpay, but like, 
I think that it's a lot easier to say, well, if you don't have a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, there's no value in having one. When you don't have to root for that team. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's way easier to do that or in fantasy football. I'm going to win or go home. Cool. Well, you don't think about it the other nine months of the year or the other, like, seven months of the year. When you, It's just so much harder when you actually have to live with that day in and day out to be like, yeah, we'll figure it out. It's hard to – like, if you've ever been in a relationship with, you know, a person and you're like, well, I don't know if this is definitely the one, so I'm just going to break up right now. <laughs> like it's just not like that there's an emotional element that isn't just dollars and cents cap percentages like that's just not the entirety of the decision in my opinion but also i'm trying to cope with this and probably just rationalizing it well yeah i mean yeah uh being a panthers fan i've you know last season had to deal with the what we have uh baker mayfield sam Darnold, pj walker then you know i've had i've so you mean like you know oh maybe we'll get one maybe we'll get one we'll we'll piece it together with these hodgepodge you know bridge quarterbacks and then when it doesn't end up working out you end up just being more and more frustrated that you've kicked another year down the down the road with some how'd that go for you the process of talking yourself were you talking yourself into each one of those quarterbacks as they came down the pipeline uh I, i i talked myself into baker a little bit because you know he had he he had a little bit of success in Cleveland, not not to the, you know, you're sitting there saying, oh, Baker's now one of the top 10, top seven quarterbacks in the league, but he had enough that you could sort of go, okay, maybe he's just, he's run his course in that offense. And, but then after the first couple of weeks, then it suddenly went, oh, this isn't looking great. And then it just sort of, it was one of those things you'd have a, a week or two where it was good. And then you'd go, oh, who's next like it just it just was never really a fun experience for the whole season but so but i think the panthers are the perfect example because again i really think that you look at it in dollar and cents but it's really a relationship with emotional value it's you're the part in the rom-com where someone's like after a breakup they're kind of hooking up with all these people but they feel completely empty inside and they're like wow really want that person back yeah <laughs> yeah no no i yeah so that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to um, the draft, actually having the chance to pick a franchise quarterback. We hope so anyway. But um, speaking of the draft, I have a couple of draft questions for you. So working with Danny and uh, Danny Kelly and Ben Solak, ha- has that changed the way that you look at prospects now by, by working with them? Or have you always sort of looked at it like this and it's just – now that you have the the draft show, it's, it's sort of been amplified a bit more. I, I mean, if, I think anyone who works with Danny Kelly and Ben Solak is going to learn a lot about the draft and prospects. So, I mean, I, I you know, I've learned a ton. Um, it's hard to even know where to begin. I, I think that um, I try to keep an open mind. I say that even as literally yesterday we recorded an episode where I refused to believe the Texans would do anything except take a quarterback. So maybe I'm still learning to take my own advice, but um, you know what? What's nice about covering the draft is, as much as it's a long period of time, it's kind of a slog. It can kind of get repetitive. Where you're, you know, you know, January to end of April, it's a long time. But like, what's nice is that the cliche is true: is every team does build through the draft. The Chiefs just won the Super Bowl with like four rookies, like like Isaiah Pacheco's seventh round pick. He's, you know, what I mean? like the the rookie cornerbacks are covering, you know, AJ Brown. 
Devontae Smith in the Super Bowl. So I, I, what's nice is that it is really important. Like it is the essence. It is the lifeblood of the sport. Um, so it's, it's, it's been, it, you can't actually analyze it too much. Yeah. So with that, what you've, what you've learned through Danny and, and Ben, do you have a, a like, a wish list of guys that if you know if they get to the Giants pick they haven't haven't traded up they've stayed at the same spot have you got yourself a list and have you mentally prepared yourself for <laughs> okay there's there's these guys that these receivers none of them have fallen to to where we're hoping who's the backup plan I I would give up I don't think I give up parts of my body for Jackson Smith and Jigba, but like there are like I would sacrifice. I I, I would I would do horrific things if Jackson <laughs> Smith and Jigba, the receiver out of Ohio State, could fall to the New York Giants. I am I can't remember being so convinced about a player who had seemingly a real chance to fall outside the top twenty um, as like the best receiver in a draft. I I, I just I'm just so confident. I'm not saying he's going to be Jamar Chase. But I'm just so confident that he will be a good and competent NFL receiver at a minimum for like a decade, uh, barring injury. And I just I would do anything for Njigba to fall to us. I don't care about anyone else who signed. Um, outside of him, it's it's really just I, I, it's actually the opposite. I think that I've resigned myself to uh, the players the Giants really need not falling to them. I think that more I look at the board, the Giants could really use uh, a player with size at the position a receiver position or cornerback, and I, I increasingly feel like that just won't happen, and I don't think this is a team that's going to trade up to go get them. So maybe I'm wrong about the last part, but when I look at the team, the Giants, a cornerback fall like, you know, the, I would say the cornerbacks in the first round that are locks are like, you know, Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon in the top half, Joey Porter Jr. right around the middle, and Deontay Banks from Maryland is kind of where I don't think there's any world where Deontay ba Banks is going to last to 25. The problem is that the Giants are behind the Chargers, who need a receiver. They're behind the Vikings, who need a receiver and a cornerback. They're um, just the, the Ravens need a cornerback or a receiver. Like all the teams in front of the Giants need the same things, and they're just last in line. And so I've actually resigned myself to like Solak loves Drew Sanders, a linebacker. I'm like, oh, first round linebacker. We just signed a linebacker in free agency for like twenty five million dollars. Like, sure, whatever. We'll just pay a butt like my entire life the giants have just had linebackers on minimum contracts sure we'll just draft one in the first round and have one for 10 million a year in free agency who's never started for whatever so i that's kind of actually where i'm at is a little fatalism is set in but maybe i'm just that's a personal problem are you a little bit concerned with um you guys spoke about this on your show but this being the complete outlier draft like everyone no one no one seems to meet the thresholds that a lot of the teams would have they're way too small they're way too skinny like is that giving you guys you some concern for who might actually they draft because of those sorts of things that they you know that we just haven't seen guys like this before I think it's a really weird characteristic of this year's draft. Like to your point. Yeah. So what we were talking about is the outlier draft. We've got, I mean, we've got offensive tackle, like Dewan Jones from Ohio state is going to be one of the two or three biggest offensive linemen ever in NFL history. But he's also like, a, like an outlier in how slow he is. Darnell Washington has used a tight end out of Georgia. He's got 
hands that are almost as big as Shaquille O'Neal. Um, but and he's got the biggest arms ever. He also had like 400 receiving yards in college. You've got Bryce Young, who's going to be the smallest quarterback ever in NFL history. You've got Anthony Richardson, who's going to be like the f- most athletic quarterback in NFL history, like the size, like the big, like as athletic, if not more than Cam Newton. Uh, it, it, you just have wild outliers everywhere. I think that, yeah, that's absolutely like it's the receivers again. It's just they're all small. We didn't even get to Josh Downs in our outlier episode. Josh Downs is like five foot eight. Five foot nine, you know what I mean? Mm. It's just a small person. So, uh, yeah, it's a massive concern. I think that the other part is the outliers. It's just not an excellent draft class. Like, there's not a lot of players. There's, like, a handful of elites, and then there's not a lot of players that I think you – if you ask one scout from 32 teams, and you're like, are you confident that this person will be a starter? Not great. Not a Pro Bowl. You think they'd be a starter? It's not many players where you're going to get, like – an overwhelming consensus of yes. And I think that is the concern this year is it's just overall, like every draft has a shape. If you think of it like an iceberg or maybe not an iceberg, maybe, you know, when a snake eats something, you're in Australia. So you definitely know like a snake eats something and it's like, they have like a very weird shape. It's like a little snake. And then like, you just see the outline of like a freaking deer in the middle of the snake and come back. It's this draft. This is maybe the worst metaphor I've ever made, but the draft is just very middle heavy. It's not, it's not top heavy or bottom heavy. It's just like, it, it, there's just a lot of mid guys. And so while we call them first round, second round, third round, the teams look at it as, well, the first round this year might be like 15 players. And the second hmm. round might be, and the second round might be tw- tw- 30. And the third round might be like a hundred players. You know what I mean? And I think that's yeah. the thing with this year's draft is that there's just a, like, Day two, I think, in teams' minds, begins at, like, the 20th pick. And it seemed like, too, like you were sort of saying, that around that, the the top 40 guys is sort of the most um, coveted, sought-after sort of thing for that potential for starting roles. And that's what it seems like in that report that came out, why Carolina was so adamant on keeping the 39th pick because they felt that dropping down to 61 was too far a gap between pick number one and pick 61. So, um, yeah, it's just, I think I think it was on the athletic pod with Nate Tice. He was sort of saying this seems like it's going to be one of those drafts where you look back on it and you might remember one or two guys, but it's just going to be the draft of, yeah, they were pretty all right. Okay. Nothing yeah. outstanding, but. I think that's, that's exactly. Right. So. Before we get you out of here, I've got a couple Australian editions of Two Jargons and a Lie. Oh, yeah, so, baby. You know the way to my heart. Yeah, I figured I picked these ones because I'm going to go the the second one is my favorite one, but I'll go with this one first. Just nice and easy warm you up. So I'm putting it on the screen for you if it pops up. Oh, my okay, God. so your choices are you've got Chocker Block, Koala Stomp, or Budgie Smugglers. All right, easy. Koala Stomp, because I'm a dumb American, and you put one in there. You just wanted to put one in there that had koala in it, because you think that's all I know about Australia. So, yeah, see, this is what I said. I was going to ease you into it. So, Koala Stomp is the lie. Yeah! So, so Chocoblock. What is a budgie smuggler? Okay, so, budgie smugglers are speedos. (laughs) 
So budget. <laughs> yeah. So when you so when you see a um quite often in Australia, if you go down the beach, you'll see a guy who's in his sixties who's got too big a pot belly and he's going walking around in his speedos and everyone and in Australia you call those bungee smugglers. A, a bungee and, smuggler. Oh my god. And chock a block just means like I've eaten too much and I'm full. So oh, someone will say to you. So someone will go, oh, do you want any more of this pie? And you'll be like, nah, mate, I'm, I'm chockers or I'm chocker block. And that's all you that's need to great. say. And they're like, oh, you're cool. I love so, that. So, yeah, that was the first one. So this next one is actually three Australian towns and one of them is a lie. So we've got Humpy Bong, Sauce Bottle Swamp, Bum Cooler Flat, or Spanker Hill. Wow. And, and keep in wow. mind that three of these are actual places. Bum cooler flat. Spanker Hill. Humpy Bong. How many people live in these places? Like 500 or like 50,000? Uh, it's it's only a couple hundred. Very very small I, places at year. When I was looking up this... To I, fake. There's no way soft well, bottle before, swamp... There's actually a website that has 30 of the um, funniest Australian town names. So I've, I've picked three of them. There's still like at least another 27, if not more, that go on there. So, so you're saying Sauce Bottle Swamp's fake? Yeah. Is that, don't, don't even tell me what the real one is. Just tell me if that's real or fake. Sauce Bottle Swamp's real. Oh, my God. Okay. Let's see if I can even get this in my second get. Humpy Bond. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Sauce Bottle Swamp is in Queensland, which is That's northeast of, of Australia. Sauce Bottle Swamp. Bum Cooler Flat, is that fake? No, Bum Cooler Flat is also real. That's in oh South Australia God. where I live. That's so really- I, I live, yeah, I live in South Australia. I don't live at Bum Flat. Um, but that's in South Australia, Bum Cooler Flat. Are you in like the Bum Cooler Highlands or? <laughs> no, I'm in, I'm in a place called the Adelaide Hills. Let's call it the Bum Cooler Hills. All right, Humpy Bong. <laughs> and Humpy Bong is also real. Oh, my God. you got to be kidding me. So Spanker Hill is, um, when I was looking at this list, there was two that were um, one above the other, and it was like Spanker Flat was a place, and it was something hill. So I just combined those two. So, yes, Humpy Bong, Sauce Bottle Swamp, and Bum Cooler Flat are all real places oh in Australia. God. Humpy bong. I you well, you well honestly you got me. You're the first person in history of two jargons and a lie. I went oh, oh I literally couldn't have done worse. Well, you know, I've got to I've got to try. You know, it, that's where it's it's handy with Australian. Like all of these could be fake or they all could be real, and no one has any clue whatsoever. You know, you inspired me. Maybe our next one will do um two two jargons and a lie from like the American tax code. Like two things you can write off and a lie. Yeah. I think I think what I'll have to do is I'll, I'll flick you these. Um, I'll have to send you these names and then you can just send them to the other guys and just go, which one of these is a real place in Australia and see how close they actually get. Yes, please. Uh, please send over. this to me. I'm going to have yeah. to run this by them. This is absolute gold. And I'll, I'll send you I'll send you um, the chocker block koala stomp and the budgie smugglers yeah. just to see if they have an idea on what on earth budgie smugglers are. No, I don't even want to. I don't even want to find out what budgie means. 
I think I can figure it out on the context clues. Yeah, I think you. I think you. Oh, Budgie Smuggler is incredible. Oh yeah, it's. I don't. I don't. Honestly, it's it's so weird. You, we don't even like. It's weird calling them speedos. Well, is that what you? Is that smugglers. what you do when you like? You middle of the night, you get up. You, you know, you, your kid is crying. It's like two in the morning. You throw in some football, watch the pregame shows, watching some Terry Bradshaw, whatever, like talking about the games, and you're just in your budgie smuggler. <laughs> no, well, I mean, there, actually, there's probably some people, yes, who do that. Me personally, no, but um, there would be there would be some people who will, you know, you guys say uh, your tidy whities. <laughs> You'll have the Aussies will just be walking around in their uh, budgie smugglers. Oh my god, that's absolutely incredible. See, and on that note, I don't know. I don't think there's a better way you can actually end a show than just having a four-minute conversation about budgie smugglers. You know what? Budgie smugglers in the humpy bong bum cooler flat, you know? <laughs> it's perfect. Amazing. It's Thank holy, you so it's much the holy for trinity. No, th- <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming on. Um, really appreciate you coming on. And uh, just to let you know, too, like a lot of Australian fans are – getting more and more into fantasy you know we're seeing a lot more people try and get into the fantasy world and there's so many guys who are that i've i speak to that are really thankful for guys like yourself and craig and danny who are providing all this great content and laughs and everything for for all of us so uh thank you for everything that you do and um everything that you're doing to help the uh, the game of football and fantasy football thrive in australia I well, you, I'm not the one getting up at 1:30 in the morning to watch the kickoff. So I just thank you guys for caring about football and a place on the other side of the world and actually doing it. So I, yeah, if you're listening, to this, Ringer Fantasy Football Show, check us out. We, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. If you say in your email that you're Australian, the odds of me reading it on the show are like ten, maybe a hundred times higher. We just maybe. maybe. We, we you just you just get you just get the fast pass. It's like I know you love football if you're in Australia and you're w- watching American football. I'm like, oh my god, you have gone to great lengths to play the stupid fantasy football game. So like, yeah, you're, you're like it's like the Disney fast pass. <laughs> I'm gonna do you know what I'm gonna have? I'm just going to um, I'm gonna f- send you guys an email and just say I'm Australian. Here's a yeah. list of twenty seven. 27 uh town names in australia and one of them's the lie and see how many how long it takes you to get through all 27 that is actually really good i'll have to do that danny heifetz thank you so much for coming on and uh yeah so when's your when's your next uh ringer draft show coming out so we got the ringer nfl draft show it's on spotify wherever you get your podcast but you know get your pods on spotify but wherever you want a ringer nfl draft show and we change your name back, Ringer Fantasy Football Show, shortly after the draft. So we're doing two episodes a week up to the draft. And then after the draft, you know, we're going to kind of probably one a week during the summer. And then we get real lot of fantasy football content coming at you like late July. And we go through all the way through the NFL season. Cool. Awesome. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. And, um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll send you an email in a moment with these uh, these great names on there that you can speak to the guys about. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, good luck awesome. with your uh, your bungee smuggler. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks, man. See ya. Welcome back to the lab. Back to the lab.
to the lab. Back to the lab.